Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on? Brandon Lee Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation and all of our listeners. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. This is BGN Radio episode number 383, I think. Um, Just got back from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, Always a good time out there. It's actually super warm, Brandon. It was like 71 day out there. I did a long ass walk. Did a little 10 miler. Perfect weather strolling around any it was actually the day i got in there uh nobody cares about that uh we will get to what howie and nick talked about during their uh you know yearly nfl combine press conferences um you know maybe just a few things that i heard uh in my time there otherwise get into a little uh stay or go defensive player edition but before we do brandon Mm -hmm. Which one are we doing first? Are we doing Righteous Felon or uh, Wrong Crowd? You picked Jimmy. Let's do Wrong Crowd this time. So, all right. Uh, you want to look you, at that? You, Did you, you want to get the screen it? there? Oh, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> well so, done. if you're not watching on the you know the Leading Your Nation YouTube channel, <laughs> you can see there's a little uh, ticker at the bottom of the screen that has yeah. some of the information for your Wrong Crowd beer. We're living in the 21st century, Jimmy. Amazing. Look at this modern technology. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. No, that's fine. They're in Westchester, PA. Go check them out in person, uh, first and foremost. But also, I mean, it's a restaurant as well. They have very good food. Yes. Brandon likes the jalapeno poppers there. Right. Uh, our our buddy, Rich Bobby, said the wings are delicious there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they have all kinds of, uh, you know, great beers on tap that they brew right there. Um, check, you know, you can, they also have packaged goods, of course, that you can buy there or wherever you buy your beer. If... You go to buy beer wherever you buy your beer and they don't have wrong crowd. I mean, first of all, maybe just don't go there anymore, but also <laughs> tell them, yo, you're missing out. You don't have wrong mm-hmm. crowd beer. Get it in here and I will buy it and I will drink it up as long as I'm 21 years old. And Brandon is now holding up the their signature brand, the quarterback factory with a quarterback, a nondescript quarterback. <laughs> So good. Jersey number Last one. So good. <laughs> Wearing number one. So as not to get uh, sued. <laughs> I will say, Jimmy, I feel like the quarterback factory is just very approachable. It's an approachable beer. It's okay. like if, you, if you're going the wrong crowd, maybe you're not like a beer expert or a big beer connoisseur or whatever, and like you don't know what to get, I would say like I'd recommend this is a good one if you don't know what to get to start out with. So check okay. out the quarterback factory from the wrong crowd. My favorite still, I think, is the Boser Bub. Yes. But anyway, uh, Brandon, how, what do you say you and I just kind of go back and forth on our takeaways from we, Nick and Howie's? We do love a bat at back and forth like yeah. we do in training camp. We'll do it here, too. Kind of become format. the staple. Of what All right. So my biggest it's thing. It's an easy format to kind of kind of execute in podcast. Right. It's fair. 
you know, we're, we're teaching young children how That's to, right. you know, take their turn, take your turn, you know, give everyone a turn. Uh, anyway, um, my biggest takeaway from the Howie, Nick, Sirianni joint press conferences at the Combine, and you wrote an article about this, but like mm-hmm. it also just very much stood out to me in the moment when I heard Howie Roseman go up first, which is worth mentioning because the, the order of this matters. And he's asked, was it by you about the, or was no, that by I think it was, Bo? I think Bo asked that. To okay. Howie. Bo Wolf asked about like, you know, kind of needing to play young players more or like, you know, the, <clears throat> the challenge of that or whatever kind of weighing that. And naturally a general manager should be more invested in the, the future and, and the, the young players when he's making these draft picks and mm-hmm. he has to cons- he has to plan for the future and ideally would like to see his draft picks be part of that plan. So, but I wasn't surprised that Howie Roseman was talking about how, how, yes, they need to play the young players at some level, but he specifically mentioned that he talked to Nick Sirianni about needing to do this more and then Nick Sirianni gets up there at the podium and he's asked about the same kind of that thing. That one I it, asked. I asked uh, that I asked by Nick. you. Yeah. And Nick Sirianni didn't really agree. <laughs> at least he was like, <laughs> I have to play, you know, whoever helps us uh, win on Sundays. And mm-hmm. I get that thinking from a standpoint of that is literally the coach's job. But clearly, I think you also have to consider. It's not just about winning that week. It's ultimately about winning the Super Bowl. And how do you, you know, how do you get better over the course of a year, even or multiple years? And you have to give young players opportunity. You don't just hand a young player the opportunity for the sake of playing them if they stink, because you know the veterans can see that that might not be uh, the most prudent move. Like there's, it's not, it's not Madden. Like I always say, there are like just human elements and whatnot. There's variables. But it's weird to me that how he would go up there and say that they talked about it. And then Sirianni acted like they never talked about it. Right. And Sirianni is like right behind the stage, too. So he hears everything that's being asked and when Howie's up there and everything that, you know, every, all of Howie's answers, of course. So he heard Howie's answer. Mm-hmm. And then even though he got that, you know, 10 minutes later, he was like, yeah, we're just going to play the, the guys that give us the best chance to play on that given day. Yeah, didn't even like the best chance to win rather on that given day. Didn't even entertain. Like, yeah, maybe that's something we need to evaluate. Maybe that's something we need. We could do (laughs) better of balancing it. Again, I'm not saying he needs to play all the young players just for the sake of doing it. And you just draft someone and you instantly put them in the starting lineup. That's what no one's saying that. But they're saying like there are obviously times, especially at different positions like edge rusher and Nolan Smith last year. Right. Where you could have done a better job at like upping their, especially with. You know, the ridiculous amount of snaps that Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat were playing. Like, how could you not find a better time to mix the, them in? And maybe you do that, and at the end of the season, Nolan Smith is a lot better, and you can trust him to play a lot more. And then you can trust him a lot play, to to play more this year when you might not even have Hassan Reddick back. We'll see. So uh, that I, I do again think that is not unique to Nick Sirianni. To be fair, because I think this was a big conversation at the end of the Doug Peterson era where it was like, Doug doesn't want to play the young guys. And a lot of people were frustrated with that. And I felt like there was this narrative at the time that Nick Sirianni like, would do that. And he's a teacher. And the player development would be really big. And not to say that hasn't happened at all, but I think it's just interesting to me that like some of the same issues there are popping up with a different coaching regime. So mm-hmm. uh, 
but I think I think Howie's right. Like how Howie has like they have to get young players on the field more, especially because of where they are in certain spots on the roster now. Like I think they're not gonna have a choice at some spots, depending on how you know free agency everything shakes out and resignings and whatnot. But some of those spots they literally like, you know, potentially at defensive tackle, and we'll see what happens with Fletcher Cox. But like, you know, you drafted Jordan Davis, obviously high. Same thing with Jalen Carter, like they and and the tone at the end of uh, the locker room cleanout day, you know, Jordan Davis seemed to think that Fletcher Cox is not going to be back and he's going to have right. to step up in a big role. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do think they have to play these young guys more and develop them. And I think I brought it up, was it last episode, where I was like, you know, the Chiefs defense got a lot better from 2022 to 2023 because they actually played the young guys and they kind of took their lumps in 2022. And all of a sudden, they're, they were a lot better. They're much improved and they're better players uh, this past season there was a four game stretch during the season uh week eight to week 12 they had a buy mixed in there too but commanders cowboys chiefs bills where the defense played and like a they were playing a crazy number of snaps in every game the bills game especially that i think they were they were up over 90 i want to yeah, say well, it went to overtime <laughs> yeah and um both the son reddick and josh sweat played over 80 snaps each which is a crazy number for an edge rusher. And uh, Nolan Smith, I forget how many exactly he played in that game. I want to say he played like 11 snaps in that game, which is just it's far too low. And you look at like, even forget like the idea of a player, you know, playing a player early in the season so that they can, and we'll get, I'll get to that in a minute, but so that they can, you know, be you know, competent role players uh, late in the season and into the playoffs when you need them. That was a situation where they just needed to give their stars a little bit of a break here and there. And as we saw down the stretch, those guys had nothing at the end of the year. Like Hassan Reddick and, and Josh Sweat combined for zero sacks in the final four games of the season. Uh, Josh Sweat didn't have a sack from basically from the, the buy on. Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys, Seahawks, Giants, Cardinals, Giants. All those games, no sacks. Finally got one in the playoffs. Um, but they were, they, it's, it seemed pretty clear to me like those guys got tired out uh, during the course of the season and they could have played if they had played Nolan Smith a little bit more a so that he could you know get playing time, get his NFL sea legs under him and maybe become a productive player down the stretch. But B also just to preserve guys like Reddick and Sweat and to a lesser degree, Brandon Graham, who, you know, obviously is getting up there in age. So, you know, that was sort of um, I mean, he averaged, I think, seven point something snaps per game Nolan Smith first round pick like it's just and you know it's you understand of course that when they when they took him in the draft that he probably wasn't going to play a huge role on defense because he was behind uh those three guys all of whom had double digit sacks in 2022 so you, you took him with the understanding that, that he wasn't gonna have a huge role but they still got to mix, mix him in a little bit and then you have other guys like Tyler Steen who's you know not like Sua Opeta is starting games over here come on like, come on. Okay. Yeah. Does he help you? Does he give you, like, is he probably a slightly better player than him early in the year when you need, like when you needed somebody to start for Cam Jurgens? Yeah. Is the difference so, you know, so big that you're going to play a guy that's not in your long-term plans over a guy that you took at 65th overall, almost a second round pick. A guy who you cut the year prior. They cut Sue Opeta late in the 2022 <laughs> right. season. Like, right. You're going to play him over over again. Like a guy who is almost a second round pick. Sidney Brown. You got guys like Terrell Edmonds and 
Justin Evans playing over him early in the season. He only played like 300 something snaps. And then when he finally did get to play, it was out of position, like because mm-hmm. Avante Maddox and Zach McPherson, of course, got hurt. And then Josiah Scott stunk. Mario Goodrich stunk. So they couldn't like trust those and put Sidney Brown in that, in that situation. And even then he showed promise, but like he didn't even get to play like his real position for the majority of his snaps uh, during, during his rookie season. And, you know, you, you could see that he has talent and you wonder like, what might he have been if they just let him play from day one? And, you know, there was the fear, I guess, with him that, you know, he's so over aggressive that, you know, maybe opposing offenses take advantage of that. Well, so what? I mean, their pass defense sucked all year anyway. You may as well have a guy that's taking chances and maybe makes a huge play. Like you did against the Cardinals, by the way. I mean, that was sort of a, you know, bad play by the Cardinals. But uh, he had the 99-yard interception return. You. Yeah, I mean the the pick yeah. the pick was the return a gift, was awesome. but the yeah. uh the, the return yeah. was skill. Uh yeah. Keely Ringo one snap played uh in the regular he was a you know core special teamer but he played one snap in the regular defense the first 12 games of the season. Again, you have guys like Josiah Scott playing and Josiah Scott's a slot corner could fine, but like you have guys like him playing Mario Goodrich. They did have Bradbury move into the slot a little bit. Maybe like and he was fine there early in the season. Maybe you have Bradbury play in the slot and Keely Ringo play on the outside. You know, just give him a chance to play a little mm. bit in some way. And then this even goes back to last year. Nicobe Dean played 43 snaps in 2022 as a rookie. And then I think we kind of saw he wasn't ready to go in 2020. He couldn't, like, was Kaiser White so irreplaceable in the lineup that you couldn't just mix in Kobe Dean? For a series here and there in 2022, or like especially given how they rotated linebackers last year, like they were rotating linebackers left and right. So many blowouts last year, too, where you couldn't like get him in, like once you got like a two or you know, three score lead, get him in because you know he's going to be part of your future. You Mm -hmm. know, you're probably going to lose linebackers, get him some playing time, get his sea legs wet, and you know, he's probably more prepared to go in 2023 Mm -hmm. if he if he got more playing time last year. So uh, yeah, really interesting that how, I mean, it's a, it's an answer that you'd expect of a GM. I'm surprised how he was that open about it. <laughs> and then for Nick to be like, nah, right. Again, <laughs> he, he said he talked about firing. it. He just survived a firing too. Yeah. Well, that was, so. that, that's kind of an interesting tone though, to the Nick Sirianni's entire press conference. I thought it was a much different tone than we heard from him the last time he spoke. Yes. At the end of season, you know, the post postmortem, the we were waiting for a press conference to finally be announced if he would be actually back or not. Uh, this this combine press conference was like a little bit more of like defiance, I thought, from him. Yeah, very hat in hand, like in the uh, in in the end of season press conference, like uh, conciliatory is that the word I'm looking for? But yeah, very very humble. And then yes. in this one, and man, like, uh, well, let's just move on to the next thing. Sure. Which for me is, man, stop it with the core values already. <laughs> like, like certainly the fan base does not give a shit about any of that. And like, I mean, I he said core values and he, and he, you know, rattled off the core values, what, like three or four different times during his press conference? Enough, man. Like, I, after one press conference, it was like ringing. Like, it was like, like I was tired of it. Mm-hmm. And if that's what the players are hearing every single day, the message kind of gets tired after a while. You gotta, yeah. you know, come up. I mean, just to hear that over and over and over again, it, it, I don't know. Like, and also like the fan base doesn't want to hear any about that. Uh, anything like that after the season that they just had. Interestingly, like, and we'll talk more about the NFL PA. Um, 
I guess, sort of like a survey that they put out every year where they rank teams mm-hmm. in terms of um, player comfort level, I guess is the way I'd put it, in terms of like travel, facilities, treatment of family, uh, coaching staff, et cetera. And Nick did really well mm-hmm. in that category. He got an A uh, from his players. And I get that. Like he's a player's coach and training <laughs> camp is easy. And their, right. their practice schedule, schedule during the week is easy. So the players obviously like him. Um, he's a player's coach. Well, to some extent, yeah. I don't hate but, him. <laughs> but, man, the core, you just kept bringing up the core values over and over again. And, like, come on, man. So let's talk about what happened during the season. Talk about what happened during the season. What, what, like, you got to ask questions like, what went wrong? You had a chance to look at the tape from, you know, the end of the season. What happened? What was the downfall of the team? And he just, he didn't answer those questions. He just went like right back to core values. And like, we don't, nobody wants to hear that. Mm-hmm. You kind of owe the fan base an explanation mm-hmm. on what, why everything went so badly during the 2023 season and what you're going to do to fix it. Nobody, you don't, even said like, we're going to triple down on our core values. I want to like, read that whole quote. I want to read yeah, that because you All have right. it typed out. But first, real quick, on like the players liking Sirianni, and I don't think anyone has ever said otherwise. No one has been like, the players, do they hate Sirianni? Yeah. That's not been the question. The question uh-huh. is, is Nick Sirianni doing his job effectively? Like, is the messaging and everything, is that really truly getting through? Is that is is he effective at his job? That's the bigger question, right? And that I've seen some like weird kind of gotcha because of those survey results. That like okay, so I'm just ignoring the last like this means more to me than the last seven games that we saw when Uh they got blown out by the Bucks, thirty-two to nine. Like that, this survey is like, well, see, they were right to keep Sirianni. Like no, like that's not that doesn't convince me. Maybe they will be, but like that, I don't care about the survey in that regard so much. Um, I mean, I guess it's nice to see they like him, but that doesn't mean he's good at his job just because the players mm-hmm. like him. Um, anyway, yeah, so you wrote this at the end. I thought you did this. You, you handled this well in terms of how you presented it in your article on phillyvoice.com. You have uh, in bold here, what's, the, what's one thing Sirianni learned last year that he can apply going forward to prevent a loss or two from becoming an even more disastrous slide? And Great now, question. I forget who asked that, but that was that was a very good question. Whoever asked that. And now I'll get into it. But first of all, yeah, on the core values thing, it's just like I feel like he talks about them. They're like they're like the Ten Commandments. Like they're just like this like divine thing <laughs> that somehow is just like he's got. He's holding like the two tablets uh, out in the desert. <laughs> or like canonical. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. you just made these. I'm not saying there's no merit to them, but like you're talking about these things. Like they're just like this like heaven sent thing yeah. as opposed to something you made up and it's like this is it's like I, I'm, I'm beholden to this like I, I like it's just it's so weird to me anyway here's the answer we went through early here in 2021 we went through a really tough stretch right and we doubled down on the things we knew to be true our culture our core values and then we went through a tough stretch here too even though we said to ourselves, hey, we're doubling down on this in 2021, it worked. In 2023, it didn't work. I think it's, again, being in this constant growth mindset of things that just always trying to get better at every style of football that you're trying to do. I do think, though, with those core values, you always double down on those because to me, it wasn't the core values. We didn't just make them up and say connect, compete, accountability, football, IQ, and fundamentals are what's important. 
that was years and years of coaching and playing that we thought to ourselves, and I thought to myself, these are the common denominators of good football teams. That's not changing off a bad spurt, right? So it is a true double down on those from day one, doubling down on connection, doubling down on the accountability. I really look at those two, the connect and the accountability, even though I say <laughs> connect, compete, those two C's kind of go together. So they stay together. But connection and accountability <laughs> are the two, I would say, cornerstones of our program, that those are the ones that when I really take away, hey, these are important, that we play with good football IQ, that we play with good fundamentals, and that we compete our ass off. Those are important, but everything starts with the accountability and connecting. So it's almost a double down and triple down on those core values. And I look forward to when the players get back to do that. And then you have in your like takeaway from that answer, just oof. <laughs> yeah, because it's just, I'm laughing during saying, because it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. And like, this idea, like the, the thing where the alliterative part comes into it, like connect and compete, it goes being with C, so that like matters. It's just, I, I just don't, I'm not trying to say Nick Sirianni is a buffoon just because he has answers like this. You know, we've seen him have success. And yeah. Everyone made fun of his, obviously likes to point out, they made fun of his initial press conference, how they right. made fun of the Flowers press conference. This isn't the only thing that matters, but I mean, be real. Like, do I, Look at this and be like, this is a good vibe. This inspires confidence in me. No, it doesn't. It, I can't say it does. Yeah, I mean, it's all fair. And uh, yeah, that was a very rambly answer. <laughs> he does that a lot. Um, and, he, and he doesn't do himself any favors when he does kind of ramble about, you know, that kind of thing. But um, even after the, you know, as you said, he's had a lot of success. And even, he, he, like, even after the epic collapse, his record overall is still pretty stellar. Like it's still one of the one of the better records in NFL history. So, you know, I, I think they have a chance to turn it around in 2024. But um, I think your broader point too that his tone overall mm. was just was was kind of defiant uh, in comparison to what we saw him, what we saw of him. You know, the last time you know we got the, the media talked to him uh, well, yeah, immediately after the season was over. My next point on that would be another transition point would be like the the talk about. I think the two biggest things in the press conference were really what I said first, yeah, and um, the divide on playing young players, and then what the offense is going to look like next year in terms of what the Keller right. Moore hire means because the tone changed from. And I counted this. I counted the amount of times that Nick Sirianni said fresh ideas and new ideas in his postmortem yeah. presser. And it was over and each, over again. It was like half a dozen at least, right? It was eight times. It was four eight, times okay. each. I went back yeah. and looked at that like a while ago. There was a lot of that. And then that's not what you heard this time. That is not what he said. That was not the messaging in this press conference. It was all about meshing, meshing the con the, the concepts <laughs> right. of what they did, which he did touch on in the past. He definitely did say in the end of season press conference, like, you know, we're not basically not so many words. We're not going to scrap the playbook that we have and start from ground zero here and, mm -hmm. and reinvent the wheel. That's not what he said. He said, we have done some good things. So we definitely want to incorporate that, but it seemed to be more about like, yeah, this idea of meshing Kellen Moore and what he wants to bring into their current structure. And I'm not saying it's definitely going to work out in the rich Gangarella mode of 2020 where the Eagles, you know, had too many cooks in the kitchen. But I think that's like a fair thing to wonder about or be concerned about, like how exactly does this mesh together? It's possible that it does great. And Johnny Page has had some great analysis of that on 
he did a three-part series on Kellen Moore and BleedingGreenNation.com. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely um, – and he, he highlighted some specific examples of why he thinks uh, Kellen Moore will fit with Nick Sirianni. So it's possible that they do mesh together great. But, you know, again, having seen it work out in the past where uh, the head coach – in, in this case, like Doug Peterson obviously had his ideas and I don't think was super keen on just like doing whatever Rich Gangarello wanted to do when he came to town. I think it's a fair thing to wonder about. So, and especially again, when the tone was different this time, where it was more about like, well, we like what we do, but we're going to, we're going to fit this in as well. Okay. I guess my last takeaway was so he was asked how he was asked what you know the Eagles intend on doing to upgrade the defense during the offseason. Of course, he's not going to give like the blueprint of like you know what positions they're going to target, what players they're going to target, you know, where they want to spend at this position, that position, etc. But he did note basically that um, and we're talking about the defensive side of the ball again here, like, and I'll just read what he said. Um, I don't think there's an area that we wouldn't be open to addressing. Now, if you look at our defense and you're just kind of honest with it, we have a lot of young players, the defensive tackle. Is that a big pri- is that as big a priority as other areas? Just being honest, probably not. But that's an also an important position. So we're also not going to be in a position where we turn a guy down because the resources are already there because we believe in the D-line so much and blah, 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 blah. So I think is what he's basically saying there. And I'll also talk about sort of, you know, what I kind of gathered in my time in India okay. over the last week, uh, you know, the, these press conferences aside, but I think after we, you know, we'll come after we come back after the break, but I think it's just kind of common sense is what he's talking about there where, you know, they, they drafted Jalen Carter last year. They drafted Jordan Davis. They drafted Milton Williams the year before that. They have other younger guys like Moro Jomo, who they drafted last year. They have Marlon Tui Peloto, who they drafted a few years ago. And then of course, Fletcher Cox was sort of the old head uh, among that group last season. So yeah, probably not going to address that position. Everything else probably on the table edge rusher, maybe more so in the draft than in free agency. I mean, if they trade Hassan Reddick, then, you know, maybe you're looking at a guy like, like a Van Ginkle from Miami who played under Vic Fangio, you know, we'll see what happens with Reddick. Mm-hmm. Um, Reddick was talked about during the press conference too. I don't know if there was anything new on him. And we'll get to Reddick in a little bit anyway when we do a little stay mm-hmm. or go defense later in the pod. So let's not get bogged down by that right now. But I think when you look at the linebacker position and you look at the safety position and I mean, cornerback too, I guess, is is a possibility as well. Those are going to be the areas of focus in free agency, in my very strong opinion. And again, I'll talk more about that when we come back from the break. But, you know, certainly those are positions where they are weak right now. Like obviously, obvious roster holes at those positions right now and they're going to have to address that in free agency before they get to the draft so that they're not reaching for guys in the early rounds and you know winding up with a Danny Watkins mm. Jaquan Jarrett well. situation <laughs> so uh uh yeah anyway uh, I don't know if you have anything to add to what he said there not so much other than you just brought up the Danny Watkins thing and it's like it's hard to see Layatu Latu mentioned that he wants to be a, a firefighter in the future yeah. and is like taking some courses and be like <laughs> and i from what all by all accounts from what i've heard and like limited time of watching him he seems like a pretty cool player and a nice player but like it's just like you hear that and you're like really like and he I, played for chip too which is another uh just like danny know, watkins did i would call it a red flag but just funny 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's just like there's you know, some of the vibes there are like traumatic. Anyway, yeah, I don't have much to add. Um, so are you good on that end? We'll take a break. Yeah, I mean, we'll come back after the break. and I'll talk more about like on that note, basically what I, you know, what I gathered from what they'll attack in free agency. Well, let's take a break here. We will be back after this. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Back here on BGN Radio, which in addition to Wrong Crowd Beer Company, is also brought to you, Jimmy, by Righteous Selling Craft Jerky. You can go to Righteous Selling. Look at that on the cryon. Dot com. <laughs> Chiron or whatever it's called. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, the ticker. Uh, yeah, discount code BGN15 at 15 uh, or at com for 15% off your order. I have here in hand, as you can see on the video, again, on the Winning Green Nation YouTube Ooh, the channel. Fire, yeah. The fire, the fire, by the way, the heat on the, like the ones that yeah. advertise, they have heat. I mean, it's legit. Be careful. Well, it's <laughs> like, good though. It's not you, like, no, 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 I know. I, I'm, I'm saying, but if you like heat, they, yeah. they, they pack some heat. They bring the heat. I do like the fact, though, that it's also I, I hate when products in general do heat for the sake of heat and like the mm-hmm. flavor isn't there to balance it. It's just just make you suffer. Not the case here. These have a really good flavor. Um, nine grams of protein, Jimmy. Okay. That's, you know, for the people who are working well, out and whatnot. Treat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also gluten free, soy free, only one gram of sugar in here. So, you know. A pretty good deal. I'm actually hungry, so I'm going to eat this right now. But you can, uh, or actually really when I'm done talking, but you can get this at righttosellon.com when you use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Same discount code works at wildrangerpet.com for 15% off dog treats. Okay, Jimmy, why don't you tell me what you kind of heard at the combine yeah. so I can snack on this right to sell craft jerky meat stick? Well, I think when you look at what they did last year in free agency, it was survive basically. I mean, they were definitely going to lose a bunch of players and obviously they wound up losing both their starting linebackers in TJ Edwards and Kaiser white. They lost both of their starting safeties in um, Marcus Epps and CJ GJ retained maybe the wrong players like James Bradbury, um, maybe to a lesser degree, uh, Darius Slay. And then what I think you saw them do otherwise was just sign a bunch of guys to one year contracts, some of them older, some of them, you know, like, you know, mid to late twenties, but one year contract guys like Justin Evans, as I mentioned before, Terrell Edmonds, 
um, you know, linebacker, Nicol- Nicholas Morrow. And then later, you know, into training camp, like Miles Jack and Zach Cunningham and uh, Contavious Street along the defensive line, all one-year deals. I don't think you're going to see that this year. So they may sign some guys to one-year deals to fill just, you know, depth or or roster spots. If, that, if that, Like if that's just what they can get done, it's one-year deals. But I think the initial plan heading into free agency will be more targeting guys in their prime guys like, you know, coming off their rookie contract that are 25, 26, uh, some cases like 27 years old, but guys that are, you know, kind of proven players already. And I think they want to sign those kinds of guys to multi-year deals. And they haven't done that in a while at, I guess, linebacker and safety. Um, like even Kaiser White was a, was a one-year deal. But at safety, they haven't done it since Rodney McLeod in 2016. And that worked out. Like Rodney McLeod was a good player for the Eagles for a while. And in 2021, they targeted heavily um, Marcus Williams, who signed with, is it the Saints? Or no, he came from the Saints, signed the Ravens. with the Ravens. Um, Justin Reed was another one from he signed with Kansas city. I'm missing one in there. Uh, I think it was actually a couple other guys, but they whiffed on all of them. Like they, they just, the, the teams that those guys signed with um, were a probably swayed. Those teams were better than the Eagles at the time. And they also, I, I believe the money was a little bit better, but I, also even, I believe in some cases, but they chose those teams over the Eagles. Anyway, um, they tried in 20. The point is they tried to sign, you know, uh, a top of the market safety. So the idea that they won't do that at that position, I believe is incorrect. I think they will do it. They've had success. They had success with in 2016. They tried in 2021, failed, whatever. I think they're going to try again this offseason. And then at linebacker, I think you could see them. And I'm sorry, let me go back to safety for a second. The safety free agent market is strong this year because you got guys like my, I mean, my personal favorite is Kyle Duggar from, uh, from the Patriots. I think he's a really good player. Also gives you some versatility to kind of play like a safety slash linebacker hybrid role. Uh, Xavier McKinney is another one uh, guy I like out of Andy, Justin Blackman uh, has had injury issues, but when he's played, he's been really good. Um, who am I missing here? I mean, <clears throat> Anton Winfield, I guess. Oh, he's yeah. He's probably going to get tagged, but tagged, he's also but... like phenomenal player. Um, um, I'm looking up the rest of the list because I'm blanking too. But, um, oh, Eddie Jackson's still out there. Not that that's a big name, but like, okay, you know, there's someone. He'd be more of like before. the one year. Uh, I, I think that's so that I think that's the kind of player that they're seeking to. Uh, they could very well sign Eddie Jackson. Like, who right. knows? I mean, well, one not, year, you're not rushing to do it. Yeah, he played for Vic Fangio, so there's maybe some comfort level there. But I, I think the theme will be to – like if they do sign a guy like him, maybe a little later, like week two or something in free agent. Maybe – I don't know. They could sign him right away. Who knows? But like I think the I think their priority is to sign guys not like him. Like more mm-hmm. – like I said before, like guys coming off their rookie contract that are – that can be part of your plans for – multiple years as opposed to a one-year band-aid on a guy that is clearly like on the downside of his career they're looking for guys like either in their prime Mm -hmm. or on the upshoot 
than guys like Eddie Jackson, who, you know, clearly the rest days are behind them. Um, again, they could just bring him in so that to, to help Vic Fangio kind of get his defense kind of yeah. get underway or whatever as a secondary kind of signing secondary pun intended <laughs> by secondary. I mean, not primary <laughs> a fallback. Signing, I think yeah, he's a right. fallback guy, yeah. especially because like, you know, you kind of, you could potentially pair that with, okay, you know, we like Sidney Brown a lot, but he's not obviously going to be healthy right away necessarily. So, you know, you might sign Eddie Jackson with the hope that, um, you know, Sydney kind of overtakes him later in the year once he gets healthier, something like that. Right. I think when <laughs> um, you look at the safety position too, you got, you get, you have two young guys there that you hope will be your long-term starters in Reed Blankenship and Sydney Brown. But I don't think you can count on that. Like Reed played well <laughs> when he filled in at the end of the year last year, this year, I thought he played a lot better in the first half of the year than he did. And I thought he was actually kind of bad in the second half of the year. And then, of course, Sidney Brown, we already touched on him earlier, where he probably didn't get as many opportunities as he should have, but he tore his ACL mm-hmm. in the final regular season game of the of the season. And, you know, his availability for week one will be in question. So I don't think you can just count on those guys being your, like, definitive answers for the foreseeable future. Go get a guy that you know is definitely going to be good. And then, hey, if Reed Blankenship turns out to be really good and Sidney Brown turns out to be really good, and then you also have this other free agent who mm-hmm. is – is very good. Okay, that's a kind of a good problem to have to have mm-hmm. three safeties, and especially for a guy like Duggar, just as the, an example that I throw out. Like, he, you know, if he has like that safety linebacker kind of versatility, then you know you can do something with with him in that role too. Jeremy Chan is a guy that yep. they looked at during the season uh, during twenty twenty three at the trade deadline. I'd heard from multiple people that they had interest in trading for him, and then he got hurt, so that took him off the table. Like he was going to be out for like a, a month and a half to two months. I think it was a shoulder injury. So that's another guy that, that could be on the radar. He's not as good as like a Kyle. They cut him and Kyle Duggar are very similar players. Like Duggar's way better than Jeremy Chin. So that'd be kind of disappointing in my opinion, if they went after a guy like Jeremy, like that, that was their big safety signing. Mm-hmm. But I guess the point that I was, that I was trying to make, I guess in safety and linebacker was the safety market is a lot more, is a lot stronger than the linebacker market. But I think they're going to try to spend it both. And they've kind of spent at linebacker before. Like they've they've taken you know second round linebackers in the past, and they spent, I mean, they moderate spent $6 money million on Kaiser. Yeah, and, and they spent sure enough they spent that was their best on, their best signing when they actually spent like real resources. Yes, and N- Nigel Bradham is another one that they spent moderate money on, True. and then they re-signed them to deal. a much bigger deal uh, later down the line. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I think they're going to attack both of those positions early mm-hmm. in free agency. But I think you're you're going to see them attack more of the top of the market at safety sure. um, than than linebacker. But I think they're going to try to sign like a legit starting linebacker and certainly a legit starting safety. But again, I think top of the market at safety um, more so than linebacker. I think it's a fair way to frame it. I think they want to. I think they're more interested in pushing the ceiling at safety as much yes. as they're trying to more raise the floor at linebacker. If that, if you yes. like that framing at all, I think, I think that's very well said. Yes. All right. And thanks. cornerback is is a possibility too. Like. Um, you know, like I, I don't know if they're gonna trade for Legarius Sneed or or anything like that. But well, honestly, they're not gonna do that. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. Uh, I mean, but like it's not impossible, but I just I'm gonna say it's very unlikely. <clears throat> agreed. But I, I I do think that like if there is a corner that they just really like, not out of the question that they'll go sure. attack that position because they value it. I mean, when you look at like sort of the Andy Reid style of. Uh, roster building which howie roseman adopted and has been and you know 
an Eagles staple over the years. It's, you know, quarterback, it's obviously at the top of the pyramid. Line play thereafter, focus on offensive line, uh, defensive line, of course, right there with it. Wide receiver, cornerback, and then a big drop off to everything else. So, but I think cornerback is sort of one of those next tier kind of positions that they will address, that they will attack aggressively if they really like a player and think that they, you know, that guy can, can, can make an impact for them. So I wouldn't totally dismiss that. Mm -hmm. And again, like we've mentioned earlier, they have more cap space than they, um, maybe envisioned. I don't remember. I don't remember if we mentioned that during this yeah, podcast we touched on that last week. One. I kind of downplayed it just from a standpoint, like it doesn't, I don't think it's revolutionary. It does help. I don't deny that it helps. I just don't think, you know, it changes. It's not like, Oh man, this changes everything. Um, it it went, I, 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 I do know, sorry to cut you off. I do know that like it went up more right. than all the other teams around the league were anticipating. So it does give them a little added bump that they weren't expecting. Sure. And, but again, and, the, and, and like I mentioned relative. in the last podcast, like I think it helps a team, but I think it helps the teams that are a little tighter against the cap than it does the teams that are, you know, 70, 80 million under the cap already. Yeah. Well, like the commanders who have the most cap space in the NFL, it doesn't help. It does them. nothing for them. Yeah. <laughs> that little uh, extra cap space does nothing. Levels for them. the playing field a bit, but again, yeah, other teams also benefit from that. So um, I think a good thing for sure, ultimately, but not like, again, this life-changing thing. Um, mm -hmm. Helpful. By the way, that uh, fiery habanero right to selling meat stick uh, had me tempted to reach for the water at first, but <laughs> I, then I, was, I was going like this, like, <laughs> it was hot, but um, it passed. And okay. it's a nice You're little a burn. Guy. You toughed it out? But, yeah, I toughed it out. And, uh, you know, it was good. Anyway, uh, anything else? from um no that was kind of that was kind of the big thing i think was uh you know i think i think that you know that they're they're not just going to sit back and and sign a bunch of you know one year guys like, and, and even on i mentioned like the six or seven guys on defense i mean even on offense they they just signed a bunch of guys to one year contracts like OZ. rashad penny and like uh alameda zacchaeus and then into the season of course you know julio jones and marcus mariota was another one um yeah. so i mean they that was their strategy last year, which they kind of had to do that because mm -hmm. they were so tight against the cap and they already had lost a lot of guys, um, you know, that important, you know, role players, uh, both on offense and defense. And that was there. That, that's what they were restricted to, but they'll have more flexibility this year to actually go out and add a player from the outside that can be a starter or an impact player. Yeah, it was more about lottery tickets last year and hoping that one would, at least one, would kind of hit. Greedy and... Williams. <laughs> Remember that yes, one? I forgot. I forgot <laughs> about that. Yeah, wow. Wow. And he was bad. Uh, I don't think any of them did hit, right? Fair to say? Like, none of them really. Yeah, I think they I think they all kind of, yeah. I mean, like, rank no, them. None of them. None of them over me. I mean, like the, the best one probably would be Justin Evans because he won a starting job. I would then, say Zach you know, Cunningham. I think Zach Cunningham. Yeah, played, right, right. Like right. pretty well for what you signed him to. Like that's. Yes. That, but that he, wasn't even during free agency. That was like during sure. training camp that they finally sure. brought him in. But yeah, as far as like, as far as like the, the free agent the initial group, lottery yeah. tickets, they all Boston. Yeah. Didn't get like anything really which you know that's part of the reality they maybe a little bit i mean i liked oz but they just didn't i think the bigger issue there is they didn't give him enough chances recently yeah, agreed. but whatever in any case it didn't work out but yeah i thought he was he wasn't bad 
but he was fine. Um, but <clears throat> certainly, it sounds like you're saying you know, they want to do more than that this season. And yes. they, and to their credit, they still have done some of that with like you know the Julian Oquara and the Tyrion Davis Price signing. Like they're still like looking for that lottery ticket thing, but they're yep. doing it in a way where it's a little bit more like you know less like less to lose because it's just total. Uh, yeah, those are just futures contracts. Yeah, back end of the ninety man roster kind of yeah. deal, which might be you know a more better place to do that as opposed to some of the top free agent signings you make. So, okay, just real quick on the NFL PA report card, you know, you can check that out online. We have some coverage of that at bleedinggreennation.com. And anything too uh, revelatory about it? I think you had some good uh, insight on that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I didn't take a hard look at what the, I, I know the Eagles finished fourth, I think it was in the NFL um, on yeah, the well. uh, player record, report cards. And I know that like the areas that the, that players felt there was needed improvement, like the easy things that they could address, they did. Like, for example, um, they didn't have, like one of the things mentioned last year was they didn't like players didn't get to sit in first class and what the Eagles did instead was just, take two planes on the road with them this past year. And then that way players could have their own row as because They didn't want to have some players sit in first class and make them feel, make the other the players right. that don't get to sit do in you, first class do you feel like that. Exactly. Like they, they're lesser people, lesser players than the people that get to sit in first class. I get that. So what they did was they just took two planes and allowed the players to kind of stretch out. And actually they, they kind of felt like having your own row was actually better than sitting in first class next to somebody anyway. Hmm. How do you feel about that as a, a, like, I mean, you would probably want first class, I feel like, but I do as a, as a, I'll say as a person who's six foot nine, like as, as someone who's really big, it really is nice when you do have your own row. I will, I will say that. Yeah. I think there, you can make an argument for either. Um, I take my own row, I think, over first class. And it's and like so first class, you get added amenities, like yeah. you're getting free drinks up there and you're getting right. more attention from you know, oh, do you want gummy bears? Do you do you need another drink, sir? Mm-hmm. Would you like some chips ahoy? <laughs> like, like and, but that's probably going on in the whole plane. Like there's right. no yes. there's no class system on the plane. Uh like like if Fletcher Cox is sitting right. in first class, you're not just offering him gummy bears but not Milton Williams back in coach. So like, you know, it's not like you get the added amenities sitting in first True. class that you wouldn't get on a team plane anyway, you know, mm-hmm. going, going from Philly to Seattle or wherever you're going. So um, I'd probably rather have my own row if, you know, all things being equal, if I'm getting a little added attention, like free drinks and stuff like that. Then yeah, I'll probably take first class. Right. But space wise. Yeah. It's nice. It is, I think it is again, as a, as a person who is sometimes crammed into smaller seating as a, a large person not the most fun thing they added uh, a family room evidently yep. to uh lincoln financial field last year which was a complaint i guess uh, the prior year um they don't have roommates on the road a lot of teams mm-hmm. have that garbage <laughs> like i couldn't even imagine like it being an nfl player and i got a room with somebody like, i wouldn't even want to do that as a reporter <laughs> so like sure. uh that's that's, that's, a, that's a nice benefit um but yeah, I mean, it seems like the Eagles as a as as an organization. I mean, so they took the feedback that they got yes. from a year ago, 
and all the things that were easy to fix, they did it. They listened to the they listened to the to, to the feedback and they fixed it. So yeah. I think organizationally, they're very good at that kind of stuff. I agree. Yeah, I've never that's never been called into question. Uh, I, well, there was also some feedback in there. They they need to like renovate the locker room or like you know kind of update that. The locker that. room think, sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like, that, and that's fair. It really, it really, it's it's small. They just don't have a lot of space in there. That's the issue for sure. And I know. You know, there's talk about there's restrictions in terms of their actual physical space at the yeah. Novacare complex. It's not like this huge parcel of land where they can just expand wherever they want. Like they're working with the uh, space limitations there. But yeah, I think that's a fair complaint. And look, no team is going to be like batting a thousand. Like there's always any work environment in any field. There's always going to be you know complaints and fairly so from employees. And to your point, I think the Eels have done well to address some of the things. And at the same time. How much of this matters? I think again, more than none at all. But it's funny to see the Chiefs down there towards like the bottom of the rankings. Yeah, and one of the worst owners when they're winning back-to-back Super Bowls. So uh, it's nice. I think it helps. It's a positive, but it also hardly means everything. But it is funny too. Dead last again. I was going to say to see them dead last, and that's also. I think that speaks to your point that you bring up a lot, like. The stench of Dan Snyder is not just something that goes away overnight. Right. Like that 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 stench remains there, and I'm sure Josh Harris is like planning to fix some of that stuff. I don't doubt that he's going to spend money and like renovate some of that stuff, but that takes time. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 like all really in that, it's not just that kind of stuff. Like you know, better you know attention to families, better planes, better locker room, better facilities, etc. Um, and they will get a new stadium eventually. Probably not going to happen for like seven, eight, nine years. <laughs> like I think people think that that's going to happen a lot quicker than 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 it is. Uh, my understanding from like people that cover that team is it's not going to take it's, it's going to take a while. But then also there's other things like football wise that take a long time. Like like analytics, for example. Like Josh Harris wants to bring analytics to the to the commander. Well, you, guess what? Like the, the Eagles are thought of as a very like analytical team they've developed that part of their franchise for like two decades now so yeah. like the, the idea that like you just oh we have analytics now like it's just a like a, a box right. to check that's not how it works so you got to get really good at figuring out what matters what doesn't how you implement it into, into games into uh into you know, draft strategy into game planning into you know just uh varying various coaching thing whatever like there's just mm-hmm. The, the idea that, okay, well, we didn't have analytics before, but now we have it. We're equal to the other teams that have analytics. No, nope, not how it works. Well, so it's going to take a long time for them to to fix the damage that, and they didn't move up a spot. So like the hmm. idea that Josh Harris is going to come in and just overhaul everything, that didn't even happen. Like it doesn't seem like they even did a lot to fix what was wrong there. I, well, I think that's, and I don't want to defend Josh Harris here, but I think that's kind of what he did at the Sixers too at first. Like there, I think his style was like, don't, he didn't change much at first, kind of like kept things going, evaluated, and then made big sweeping changes. Okay. So I think that's kind of what's going to be coming for the commanders here anyway. And, but again, yeah, I think it's going to take time. So we'll see how that goes for them. Uh, why don't we take another break here, okay. Jimmy? Uh, and then we will talk about some Eagles stay or go. We will be back after this with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back here on BGN Radio. Jimmy, if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, you can contact Chris and Roach at 856-906-9295. That's correct, right? That's the right number? Yes, that's correct. Yep. I have it. Did you finally remember that? Uh, well, I looked it up I, on Google, and then oh, okay. I, I wanted to put it for the banner here at the bottom of the screen, so that way, you know, people can just look at it right there and decide to contact her if they're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, or do the home evaluation thing, right? Yeah. So, like, if you're looking to, if like you just want to have an idea of what your house could sell for, if you know you're considering putting it on the market, she can give you a, a market analysis of your home. Free charge. She'll just, you know, take a look at, you know, home comps in the area, you know, homes that sold over the last you know, two years or whatever, and give you an idea of what it would sell for. Spring is typically the time that the market kind of sees an influx of uh, homes on the market because people like to, I don't know, I, I, that, that seems to be the time when people like to buy new houses in, mm-hmm. in, in the spring um, and leading into the summer or whatever. So yeah, call her up, text her, 856-906-9295. She can do that for you. Okay, let's get into Eagles, stay or go, Jimmy. I have, I think, 10 or 11 players listed here. Okay. Let's just go through them all. Let's start with Brandon Lee Graham, stay or go. <laughs> BLG2 mm-hmm. is, uh, I think he's going to be back. And last year he made $5 million, I think it was, on a one-year deal. He's not going to make that again this year. Yeah, he was and, but I think the value to him. Season. What's that? He was coming off a double-digit sack season, the right. first one ever. Yeah. So he said he he wanted to come back for another year, and specifically mm-hmm. with with the Eagles, and then that'll probably be it for him uh, thereafter. Yeah. But I think you bring him back. I don't know, three million, something like that. Um, but his value to the team, the team, or I'll put it like this: the team values his culture setting ability in the locker room as much as they do uh his play on the field and he had a down year last year what do you have three sacks i think i think down he can from... still play a little bit though i don't think yeah yeah like, i mean you can be a role player can, yeah sure you can kind of give you and, and like in the playoffs he was one of the few players who like i think had a good game in that bucks game like he brought it uh, and late i'll season, give you 20 he... snaps a game yeah and uh and, and look if there's ever going to be an exception like to getting younger or like we need we can't just bring back old yes. players like honestly, if Brandon Graham wants to keep playing until he's like 60 or something, I don't care. Like that guy won you the Super Bowl, made the biggest play in franchise history, great culture guy, lifetime contract. I don't care. Like, I don't care. Like that is the that is the one exception to me. I don't want to hear like, oh, we can't we can't bring Brandon Graham back. I don't think people are saying that to be fair, but uh I think Brandon Graham deserves whatever he wants. And it's I think it's nice that he could get like a farewell year. He's not, you know, yes, on the level right. of like Kobe Bryant or, 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 you know, Derek Jeter, you know, like that. But yeah. I still think it's cool that he'll get like a moment, a whole season, kind of like, you know, the spotlight is on him a little bit, knowing that he'll walk away at the end of it. Uh, I love Brandon Graham. We both said that he's, you know, like one of our favorite players or our favorite player to cover. People, people, person. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he absolutely should be back. And I don't think it's just about the culture thing. I think he can be a nice, like, fourth whatever 
edge rusher in the, yep. in the rotation. So um, Brandingham stay for sure. We'll go on next here to Fletcher Cox. I think he's gone. I do think it was interesting during Howie's presser that he said he'll give Jason Kelsey and Fletcher Cox whatever time they need um, to decide whether they want to come back. But they don't want to see him in other colors is the way he put it, Mm. which I definitely can see that for Kelsey. But Fletcher almost left last year. Like he yeah. was very close to signing with the Jets, and then he ultimately uh, came back to the Eagles. I think he's going to be looking for other opportunities if he doesn't retire. Mm. Um, by the way, I don't know if you saw, I forget who said this on WIP, but they were like, they got to give him a deadline of hope. They got to, we got to know in a week whether you're coming back or, or not, or you can go right to hell. <laughs> you can go to hell, Jason Kelsey, if you don't tell us. They don't need it. They don't need to know. Other years, maybe. But they have Jason Kelsey's backup plan in place. They have, they as as noted earlier, they have a ton of young defensive, you know, interior defensive linemen. They don't like. It's not imperative that they need to know from these guys uh, immediately. Would they like to know? Sure. Are you gonna say, "Hey, screw you, guy who's been here for over a decade and gave your blood, sweat, and tears"? We need to know right now. I like the idea. Whether you're coming back. That Jason Kelsey's like watching that, or comes across that, and is like, "Oh no, I have to let him know." Uh, right. uh, wow, I'm a I'm a jerk. I should. Have. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, I this is tough because Fletcher Cox had a really I thought he had a really good year last year, especially year. relative to what like I maintain it would have been really nice to have that 2023 season in 2022. I know his numbers were better, at least like the seed what seven and a half sacks or whatever, but. I've always said, like, name a play from that season that you remembered. And I said this last off, so, off season. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't really much other than, like, the Carson Wentz, you know, him sacking Carson Wentz early in the season. I don't really, like, remember a ton that stood out. As opposed to last year, Fletcher made, like, a ton of key plays. Yes. And, again, even going to the playoff game late in the season, like, one of the few players who actually brought it and was still out there fighting hard. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's almost tough for me to say. And, 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 like, that's – I don't get it from a standpoint unless he just – you know, values his post-playing career so much that he, he could walk away. He's made a lot of money. But from a standpoint of his ability to make more money, I don't know why he would retire right now because he could get at least one more good contract, I feel like, coming off Agreed. the season that he just did. For sure. And um, Interior defensive linemen are valuable. He, yeah. he, he could, he'll get paid somewhere if he if he plays another year. For sure. And so I have a tough time with that one. I don't, I don't think it's as obvious as just like, oh, he's going to walk away for sure. Or uh you should definitely let him go because he gave you good value at defensive tackle last year so i'm gonna say stay i think he comes i, I think he comes back okay so we differ on that one yeah but i i thought like jordan when jordan davis was talking so definitively about him being gone for sure <laughs> i don't know if he let the cat out of the bag on that one which is all like i just I, I haven't been able to get that out of my head and maybe That's he doesn't know point. anything he well jordan davis for all we know might not know anything but maybe he does i, don't I think know. it's also so, different than the Kelsey situation where I think Fletch is also gonna he wants to make he wants to this could be his last chance at making a lot of money so mm-hmm. if I think leverage is in play and you know if he wants to get the best deal possible he should act like he's not just definitely coming back to the Eagles he should act right. like he is going to entertain other offers he, he, because, he completely clean out his locker by the like yeah. empty so, right. so so yeah that if, if that's just negotiating tools and his agent like is kind of notorious for 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to call him like the Scott Boris of uh of the <laughs> NFL. It's Todd France, who was also yeah. like who also did like um, an amazing job for Dak Prescott and hit the contract yeah. that he was able to get for the cat. Like he's got a really good agent. So uh yeah, I mean he's not a guy that's gonna be taking a discount even if he comes back to Philly. Yeah. So and I think he is the kind of guy who would go where the money talks ultimately at this point, as opposed to like, you know, Jason Kelsey, who's just either going to play for the Eagles or retire. So we disagree on that one. I think we're also going to disagree on this one. I think the idea, so, you know, a lot of headlines were made when Howie was asked about James Bradbury and Uh the was feature at the team. And he said, he's under contract. So he's part of our plans. And you said something to the effect in your article about how, like, uh, well, I'll let you say it. How did you? Yeah, I mean, it? anytime you hear the phrase "he's under contract," mm-hmm. to me, it means he's not going to be under contract much longer. Because right. <laughs> like, you heard him gush about like other players, like Fletch and Kelsey, and uh, yeah. there are others. Uh, Devonte, they asked about a contract extension for him. Gushed over him, of course. Um, did, you know, and for him, Bradbury, it was just a two sentence reply. He's under contract. He's part of our plans. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I mean, he was so bad last year that if you bring him back at his age mm. and you know what he's going to give you otherwise, which is nothing, like he's not going to play on special teams or anything like that, you're bringing him back to be a starter. And I just don't think they can do that with the way that he played last year because you're going to have like a 31-year-old backup who doesn't play special teams on your roster and take a roster spot away from a you know, potentially younger developmental kind of guy mm. but and i think it i think it kind of depends on whether they think he's cooked or not right and i kind of feel like they have to think he's cooked right so like maybe they don't and that's possible but he's kind of one of those guys that like hasn't been around long enough where they're super attached to him mm-hmm. i think he's a guy that you know it's not a guy they how he drafted and like He's not a guy that like they've you've we've seen him bring him back a couple times, despite you know possibility of them not doing that. I think he's gone, but you think he's back, huh? They've used worse. They've they've made worse use of roster spots than what you just said. For and sure. You look at last year, like Rashad Penny, Albert O. Uh, why was Alshon Mario Jeffrey? Good? Also, Jeffrey, why was Mario Goodrich on the roster? They never even trusted him to play, but they kept him on the team for some reason. Anyway, so they've used – it's not like the worst use of a roster spot they've ever done. I think it's more possible than people would think because I think it's – well, first of all, maybe this is my own bias blinding me. I think James Bradbury – you know, I was I was very high on him coming off of last year. And clearly, I was wrong to be – or that didn't age well. But – he allowed the lowest pass rating in the NFL in 2022. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I have a hard time totally shaking. And also, I know he's older, and quarterbacks certainly fall off. I don't totally dismiss that. But I look at Stephon Gilmore over here, and he's, like, 33, 34. He's older, and he still had, like, a good season last year. So I don't think it's impossible that there is some value left in James Bradbury. And uh, I know our good friend Zebram has mentioned this, too. There's kind of been, like, an all-and-off kind of thing going on with James Bradbury throughout his career. Like he's had like kind of a good year and then a bad year. He's kind of just kind of been like a player like that. I also think there's, there's been, there's reasons in addition. Well, the physical decline thing might be real. And I feel like that's something where the Eagles will have like their own, you know, tracking data, testing things that they can probably measure better certainly than we can. Now, obviously we saw the eye test version of it and it didn't look good. Yeah. 
But also, let's acknowledge that James Badbury, I thought, was put in a tough spot last year in terms of being moved into the slot and moved back on outside. That's not like the easiest thing for a player. Um, it doesn't mean he should be as bad as he was, but I'm saying like there were complicating factors and other things to consider here. And also, my understanding of James Badbury and his personality is he he kind of has a like a different kind of personality for a cornerback too. You know, where a lot of them are more like I he's very say, quiet, like, yeah, yeah Darius Slay, like brash. And I think you kind of have to have that at some level. And this isn't a criticism of James Badbury, but I think he might be like more he might have a sober more sober assessment of himself than other players, right? And and also being in the position that he was with the Giants where he got screwed because if they had cut him originally closer to the start of the offseason before the Eagles ended up eventually signing him after they cut him later, he probably would have made more money. He would have gotten a better deal than he would have when he signed with the Eagles in whatever, like June or whatever. Because at that point, teams have already drafted players. They've spent their money. He kind of got screwed by them. So my thinking is what if James Barberry says, hey, I'll take a pay cut. Typically, well, players can, don't can take he, no. Can he take what? a pay cut? Why not? Because his salary is like over a little over a million. Well, they could rework his deal is my point. Maybe it's not a pay cut. It's, yeah, I don't know exactly. But my point is I think he might be more willing than, the, yeah, it's only, you're right, you're right. I guess he can't. I don't even know if he can take a pay cut. I don't even know if it's possible. So he's at 1.2 million in base salary in <laughs> 24. Over the cap might not be as reliable as it was, specifically with the Eagles because their contracts have gotten so weird and yeah. it's hard to it's hard to capture exactly what's going on with some of those contracts in the charts yeah. that they use. Yeah. So I, I might be wrong on that, but my but if you look the way that that chart looks, it doesn't look like he can even take a pay cut. And <laughs> that's an interesting point. Well, yeah, that's a good point. If he can though, I think he might be more willing to do that than the average player would be because yeah. Uh, it, he's got self-awareness. I'm with you. Yes. And I think he might realize that the market might not hold better things. I think he might realize the best situation actually might be for him here and not because a lot of players would rather just get cut and feel like they can get a better opportunity right. or whatever elsewhere, where I think he might realize his best situation actually might be here. And I think he's more humbled and willing to take that kind of potential step back and realize that he's coming off this bad year and he will compete for a starting job and not necessarily just be handed it. So, um, I'm more willing to bet that, and also just because, and I know the cap expanding kind of gives you more flexibility to designate him as a post-June 1 cut. Right. Because you're taking on, you know, that big hit when you're cutting him. Um, so I think my my case would be not that James Barry is amazing, and he's definitely going to be awesome. I think he's more salvageable than I guess most people do. Um, okay. But it would take, you know, him, I don't, again, I don't know how it would be possible with ever, and who knows the cap situation. but. Um, I think he's there's a better chance he's back than most people do. But if you're saying like what's the most likely thing? I mean, I think the most likely thing is he's gone, but I just think it's not like a hundred percent he's gone to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Two disagreements already. I like it. Yeah, it's good. I mean, we know it's boring. Yeah. Uh Hassan Reddick. We've kind of I'm not gonna go too deep too deep in this one, I guess, because we've we've talked about Hassan a lot with the trade rumors and whatnot. Um I still think he's back because like I feel like he has to be unless the Eagles have this great plan to pivot to, I feel like they, I think Hassan is going to realize that what he's asking for, he's not going to quite get from other teams in terms of that big payday, because in the past that money has never been there for him in free agency or anything. 
And therefore, I think he's going to come back to the Eagles. And I think the Eagles are going to be able to go up high enough to where it makes sense to keep him. And I don't think enough people have been talking. There's been a lot of talk about like what number do you need to get to annually? And I think that is relevant. But I also wonder like how much guarantee matters to him. Like, could you do something shorter term with like a really high guarantee or something? And obviously spread out the, you know, cap hit on the void years and whatever. Uh, Would that kind of, would he value that? And, and then get another chance to hit free agency again, as opposed to, you know, wanting this big long-term deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that could potentially work. And that would potentially work best for both sides because the Eagles are in this window where they're trying to very much make a lot of this season and win now still and not trying to get worse this year, but would also allow Hassan Reddick to potentially get another big payday uh, in the future. So I'm going to say stay. Yeah, I think it's interesting what they did with him in terms of saying, go test the market before yep. free agency even happens. And um, I think what they're in a position to just kind of let the market um, come to them. They let his representation seek a trade, yep. which means, of course, that they also allow them to explore what other teams are willing to pay pay him. So, you know, they'll let the market dictate what Reddick is worth, both in terms of trade compensation and in terms of pay. And they can kind of go from there. Ultimately, I think that they're... Reddick's representation won't find the combination of a team that's willing to pay him a whole lot more than what the Eagles are already paying him. And also a mm-hmm. team that will give what the Eagles would require in trade compensation in order to let him go. So I think he's back. Let me throw out a hypo though, for you. Mm. Reddick for Legereus Sneed Ooh. straight up. You got to pay Snead twenty million a year for five years. Um, hmm. Five years, hundred million dollar contract one. for Snead. Um, I guess you do that at that point. I would do it too. I really like Reddick, so I have a tough time not wanting him on this team. And again, you because you have to have a really good plan, I think, to pivot to. But I think that's a rare opportunity to get, like you know, a really potentially. I like Snead a lot. He's a great player to get uh to fill a big hole there and also um if you're just it could be a situation where you just have to bite the bullet on the reddick trade ultimately if you're like kind of like if you feel like you have to choose if you feel like you have to choose between him and uh josh sweat um then i guess the scenario close, where he's better he's a lot better than sweat in my opinion. oh i'd rather choose Hassan reddick to be clear but, but if sweat you're telling me younger yeah but if you're you're selling it as uh <laughs> you know, keeping Reddick versus having Josh Sweat and getting Legereus need, you know, that's obviously more appealing at that point. Yeah. But I'd rather be clear. Please don't aggregate that. There's no inside information here. Jimmy said that is 100% (laughs) happening with no zero equivocation at all. I mean, the Eagles are trading for him. Your hypo in this case. (laughs) All right. Who's next? Uh, Zach Cunningham. What do you think? I got him as a stay. I mean, I thought it was pretty revealing when Howie just brought him up unprompted about how good he thought he was last year. And then they went ahead and, I mean, I don't think they hired this guy because he was Zach Cunningham's coach, but they hired uh, Bobby King, who Uh to coach linebackers, who coached Cunningham both in Houston and Tennessee. Yep. So I think that guy will probably want to, have Cunningham back. Sure. Not that that guy's going to have any roster power at all on personnel right. or anything like that. But um, I think, you know, that, that maybe factors into some very small degree. 
I think he's back. I think it's fine as long as he's you know you know paying him that much. Certainly as a as a backup, he'd be perfectly fine. I don't know if you want him starting again, but if he he had to, mm. he was at least the Eagles' best linebacker definitively last year. So I don't have a problem with him coming back. Yeah, Bobby King coached him from 2017 to 2022, except for the 2021 season. So he coached him for quite a bit there. Um, if that's I the think... answer, that's not good. If he's like your answer as starting linebacker and N'Kobe Dean is the other linebacker and you're just filling in guys for depth purposes thereafter, unacceptable. But if you bring him back with the with also the an eye toward bringing in a legit starter in addition, fine. I think it's a situation where you, you, you know, obviously let him hit the market, but you stay in touch. You're like, Hey, you know, Zach, like keep in right. touch. Like, well, let, let's see, let us know what, you know, you, you, the kind of interest you're getting or whatever. And, and let's yeah. talk. Um, let's talk at some point. So I think you keep tabs on him. You let him hit free agency. You keep tabs on him. Kind of what you just touched on there. I think if Zach Cunningham is your second best linebacker, that's not terrible. If he's your best linebacker, that's not good enough. So uh, I would be willing to kind of have him back kind of like a little bit like the DeAndre Swift thing where I just like I'd wait out the market on him I'd let the Agreed. market come to you on that. And it, it, once eventually, once his price tag goes, I mean, I don't think it'll be too high, but once it gets no, to a point, nobody's going to be targeting him on day one of free agency. You yeah. Know? So like, like you, you could do that with him for sure. So I would just, you know, yeah, wait for the market to come to you on that one. Nicholas Morrow. I think we're both just going to keep this short and out. So, yeah. yeah. It's just, just, <laughs> I think fairly or unfairly, uh, uh, somewhat fairly, he's kind of was like the face of some of those unsuccessful yeah. signings last year. Or it's more specifically, if that's too unfair, he, this, the face of like unsuccessful linebacker struggles. Like if you had to put like a picture of the Eagles linebacker struggles last year, it's probably like Nicholas Morrow getting dusted by like Debo Samuel or something from the 49ers game. Like that's the one picture that like sums up the Eagles linebacker situation from last season, something like that. So what's your Mount Rushmore of uh, failed Eagles linebackers in terms of like uh, most hilarious or uh, just looking back at them, you just went, Oh, that guy. I think Paul Warlow (laughs) should be on there because it's kind of funny how much like they brought him back and uh, poor guy. I mean, he got hurt. Levine Kirkland has to be on there. I mean, that's before my time, but um, in terms of like me, like intimately knowing the team. Well, he, he was, he just gave up plays all in the middle of the field all day. Yeah. He was like 300 pounds almost. You know, what's Uh, funny. I was the the NFC championship in the Rodney Barber game. uh, They just tore him apart in the middle of the field. My friend Holden sent me this text or this DM on Instagram yesterday of, uh, um, do, you, do you remember Gilbert Brown for the Packers? Yes. So you, you sent me this picture of yeah. like <laughs> yeah, his, yeah, an awesome face mask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also like, you know, this pads and everything too. It just, you know, looks <laughs> yeah. like a true football player. For some reason that made me think of LaVon Kirkland. And yeah. I looked up LaVon Kirkland. He's who, huge. And he was 99. Like oh, he was 93. He was 99 yeah. with the Steelers, I think. Yeah. And is 6'1, listed at 6'1, 270. <laughs> the Kobe yeah. Dean is playing the same position in the NFL yeah. at 5'11, 229. And that might be like generous too. Um, just wild. And again, a lot has changed NFL. in the NFL. Yeah, at but it's just like <laughs> insane. Anyway, uh, we both have Morrow not. Oh, so who was on the Mount Rushmore? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think uh, Nate Gary's got to be on there. I'm gonna put Corey Nelson on there. It's very funny that they uh, 
just like signed him on the first day of free agency. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. Not only did he, he not make the team, team, he didn't yeah, even make like the middle of camp. Yeah, the seventy-five. They cut down to seventy-five or whatever. Like <laughs> yeah. that's just pretty tough. Also, Morrow didn't hurt. make the team. By the way, either he got Who? cut. He got cut. Nicholas Morrow didn't make the team either. They right. brought him back. Also, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Corey Nelson hurt Paul Warlow. He ran into Paul, oh, Paul Warlow on the first day of OTAs, and like, <laughs> obviously not on purpose, but like, so yeah. he was he was actually a really bad signing because he, he made your linebacker position even worse. He he, uh, there's friendly fire. Uh, and then I guess LJ Ford's kind of funny because he was actually a good player, but they didn't play him. They right. did, they didn't play him at all. Where do you go, Baltimore? And then he was pretty good there. Yeah. Uh, so great stuff. Uh, okay, Sean Bradley, your boy. Uh, so gone, because I think now what they'll do is they'll have Ben Van Sumeren mm. ultimately take over his role as the guy who plays on special teams but doesn't actually play in the regular defense. Maybe like Jonathan Gannon signs him, the Cardinals. I don't know. Could be, yeah. Uh, but I, th- I think he's out. I mean, he, what, what the, I don't even remember what his injury was. Was it, was it an Achilles? An ACL, Achilles. Like, it was a big one, for sure. Yeah, so who even knows if a full recover and be the same player that he was. We, we won't but, miss but they his... really like Van Sumer as, as Van Sumer and as a special teamer. Same, and that's all. So Sean Bradley was going to give you anyway. So right. I think I think that kind of. And then also they brought they brought in Brandon Smith. Yes. who they kind of liked as a special yeah. Teamer. I liked yeah. I liked he he didn't play much, but I liked he had like some good special teams tackles when he did play. So those two guys, I think, are both ahead of Sean Bradley of. You know, if, if like Sean Bradley just didn't find anyone and he wound up in Eagles training camp somehow, sure. I think those both of those guys would be ahead of him as sort of the special teams only guy. Yeah. And I think that's the kind of, I mean, you might as well churn the roster there anyway. If you're looking for answers at linebacker, you feel like, you know, Sean Bradley's not going to be an answer for you. So just turn it over. Also, the annoying yell at the beginning. Hell yeah, the worst bit. bit. Every single day. <laughs> and just like, okay, first day of training camp, you're fired up. Okay, cool. Whatever. And then just doing it every single day. And <laughs> it didn't seem like anyone like enjoyed that. That was not no. like, who was that for other than him. Yeah. Um, which I guess go off, but whatever. Not gonna miss it. Anyway, uh another quick one here. Shaq Leonard, he's just cooked. I mean, yeah, obviously go. I just don't even think he can play in the NFL anymore. Like he's agreed. Just, he's, and I feel bad because uh, like it's just it's sad. He was a great player, and now his body is just not he's like a top three linebacker in the NFL uh, not, not too there. long ago. Not, but not, not anymore. He's physically can't hang. Justin Evans, I don't know. If I think he's his, re- I think his career is over too. Yeah. So I'm gonna say go, and then Bradley Roby go. Obviously. Oh my god, that's another guy that just well, you'll look back. I mean, just I mean, the play that I will never get out of my head when I hear that name was him just getting trucked by Brock Purdy in that game. Just an unforgivable play. Do you remember that play? Like I there, do. the 49ers were in the red zone, and he had a clear chance to to slam Brock Purdy on his ass. Brock Purdy just barely even put like a shoulder into him. And Roby went down like it was, you know, Christian Okoye running over some 160 pound corner. Like, it's ridiculous. I'll never get that play out of my head when I hear that name. Is that, that's a different one than the one where he was, was it in the playoff game where, or late in the season where he was like running at a player and he kind of just like, like threw his elbow. Into yeah. Him. Like, yep. Yeah, like that was him too. That's not a tackle. I guess it wasn't. I don't was remember who that was against, but you're like that Cardinals. Maybe was it the Cardinals game? I forget. They just it, got it, ran all over. It looked really bad. But he uh, he, was a, he was one of the worst tackling players. One of the worst tacklers I've ever seen put on an Eagles uniform. And last but not least, not a defensive player, but 
Eagles long snapper Rick Lovato, who is a free agent. I both think we have him staying. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't Boom. realize he was a free agent, but yeah, yeah. Boom. He, he throws the ball through his legs with speed and accuracy. Yeah, I don't think that he actually had his first career force fumble. I think on special. I don't think he right. ended up recovering that. But hey, cool. I mean, nice. We'll take it. It's so. like one of those stats where you can go like Rick Lovato had more force fumbles than, and then uh, you list like ten Eagles. Well, every Eagles linebacker, right? Uh, <laughs> right. For sure. Uh, geez, I didn't think of it that way, but that is sadly probably very true. Okay. Uh, any final thought? Uh, yeah, I guess the next event is the. NFL owners meetings, which is at the end of March. But until then, well, actually, that's far from the next event, I guess. The next event is NFL free agency, which is, is uh, <laughs> you mean like, yeah, 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 destination, like really where we go somewhere. Uh, but that's dumb. Nobody cares about that. That's only from my from my dumb perspective. Uh, but the next big well, thing, it's interesting to hear the their takes on who they sign or, yeah. or don't sign. But then uh, March 11th, right, is the start of free agency? Come, that's like is the, the, start, is of the start of legal tampering, which I don't even know why they bother calling it yeah. that anymore. It's basically just free agency now. I mean, the any you know when they right. quote unquote agree to terms, they're not official until the 13th, which is a Wednesday. The the 11th is Monday. 13th is a is a Wednesday. So that'll be fun. I think free agency is going to be fun this year. Like last year was more like sure. It was more like, who are they the going to lose? Like, who, who are they? What guys are they going to lose? And then for me, that was a gold mine for my compensatory pick posts. <laughs> and my compensatory pick tracker was one of my most trafficked articles of the year wow. last year. I think it was like, it was like just below the dumpster fire ones. And then mm. like that was right up there with those. So that won't be as fun to track this year. But, well, they but won't it'll be, getting be more, any it'll this be a year, more right? fun. It'll be more fun free agency for the Eagles because they actually like sign guys. They're going to sign like yeah. so legit they, players this year. So they probably won't be getting. I mean, they'll be getting picks from last year for this year, literally. Correct. Like yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah. in terms of they won't be building up their formula this year to get picks next year, right? Correct. Probably not because who's who would even sign to qualify? Like Fletch. maybe DeAndre Swift, maybe Fletcher Cox. But anything you do, as you mentioned there, is going to be wiped out by also probably right. the players you sign, yeah. which is fine. I mean, like, comp picks aren't the goal. That's <laughs> like, it's right. like, we need comp picks. It's like, you'd rather have good players. But if you're going to be losing good players, it's nice to, in the case of like Javon Hargrave, get like a third round pick. They'll get a three for him. Yeah. And they'll get, they'll get fives. They'll get uh, three fives in addition to Hargrave. For like what? Like TJ Edwards. And I mean, there, there were like, there were a like bunch of players, but like those kind of players guys. that qualified. Uh, but yeah, TJ Edwards, I think, was one. CJ GJ, CJ GJ, and I forget the like third Marcus guy that would qualify. Oh, or... oh, no, uh, Andre Dillard was the other guy that qualifies <laughs> at five. Wow. Such an insane contract. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway. All right, yeah, I don't, I don't think I have a ton of final thoughts, so uh. Let's just wrap well, we'll this have up. we'll have a big free agency pre- uh, preview. I think what's today? The first. We so... have to do our annual free agent draft that we do. We see, right. we draft the most likely Eagles free agent signings. I think I've I think I've done well on that in recent years. Did we do one last year? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure we did. Hmm. I have to I have to look at the results of that. I don't remember if we did. I remember the one year we were we were both like the the number one overall pick was big because. We both it was Zach Pascal. Zach Pascal, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I got the first pick because we did a coin flip. I broke that too, by the way. I had, yeah, I, yeah. and uh, I broke it like 
basically at the same time as Adam Schefter. I might have beat him by like 30 seconds or something like that. Yeah. And then nobody cites you no. when 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 everyone just goes according to Adam Schefter. And no, 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 no. I had that shit. Screw that. <laughs> and I had an article done too. It wasn't even just a tweet. I had a full right. article on that. Yeah. Um, but no one cares, Jimmy. Jerks. Uh, <laughs> I can't find it if I do have it. So I don't know. But in any case, we'll do our updated version of that this year. That'll be fun to see. I guess, and because uh, I have to, I'm also probably going to try to put together at some point. Excuse me, some point my um free agent annual free agent connections post. I like to you know look back at which players have connections to okay. the coaching staff, and that'll be more fun to do this offseason after you know. You do a good job on that, and then thanks. also the and that's it. The, Those the are the draft only two stuff with all like the the you know the, the top thirty visits, yeah, the, the you know private workout. Right, you know, positional coach visited their pro day. Well, the visits, yeah, yeah. That 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 takes. I'm sure that takes a long time to do, doesn't it? Yeah, it would be like yes, yes. Um, but worth it. Okay, this was BGN Radio 383. We appreciate you listening, rating, reviewing, subscribing on Apple Podcasts. Let's get some new reviews in there. We are on the march, Jimmy, to 2,000 ratings. Or in reviews, I believe. Wow, wow. Uh, those are actually, I think, right? Two different things. We are at one thousand nine hundred and forty-six ratings. Ah. So, yeah, we're we're not too far away. Let's get. I, come on, let's get to two thousand. If you haven't, well, how many stars do we have? Um, that's what I I don't know. I don't. I can't see that as easily from what I'm looking at here in terms of the. Oh, you're talking. Wait, what do you mean? Like four point whatever. Oh, 4.8 out of 5. Oh, that's pretty. So, like, you go to, like, Amazon, for example, and if you see, like, oh, it's got, like, 4, it's, you know, it's 4.6 or 4. Like, if I'm looking to buy, I don't know, like, uh, a chainsaw, and it's got, like, a Interesting. Four po- <laughs> I don't know how I thought a chainsaw. Let's that comes to mind. <laughs> 4.6. But it's only got, like, six reviews. You're yeah. like, oh, that doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. But, if, right. you know, it's 4.6, but you got, like, it's, the thing's got, like, you know, a thousand reviews or five thousand mm-hmm. reviews. Oh, okay, well that's legit. So yeah, it's nice to have good reviews, but also a lot of reviews when they're when you have good reviews. So, yeah, 4. we're so 8, close. Four point eight to two thousand reviews, pretty good. A little pat on the back for us. I appreciate and, it. And thank you all for reviewing us so yes, kindly. Thank you. I, had, but... I, didn't, I didn't. This is a revelation to me. I didn't even know that. I I don't. I'd never check any of that stuff because. Wow. I, Jimmy I mean, doesn't care about the audience. <laughs> I think you just let's frame it as you trust me to inform you. So uh, yeah, yeah. I also try not to uh, listen to hmm. sort of uh, what what people think about me. You're like a football I don't, player. I don't, I don't want to change. I don't want to change what I do. You don't so... want to get too high. You don't want to get too low. Just right, like <laughs> right. a player. Uh, yeah, right. Like uh, some some players have rabbit ears a little too much mm-hmm. and can get into their own head. I try to avoid being that actually. So, but, but but it's nice to hear you know, 4.8 for 2,000 reviews is pretty good. But again, we're only 54 away from 2,000. So let's just get there. You know, if you yeah. haven't already, go to Apple Podcast. And thank you all. Yeah, Much appreciated. We appreciate it. It's pretty awesome. That should not be taken for granted. We 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 love you. We appreciate you. But we'll love you even more if you help us get to 2,000 because that's a fun benchmark to hit. And we're almost there. So why not help us do that? Uh, if you have not been watching the episodes on YouTube and you want to, you can do that by subscribing to the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel. Jimmy is waving to the audience right now. We've had some visuals with the ads and whatnot. The ticker thing we've talked about is at the bottom of the screen, as you can see there. I think you can also 
hit the bell. I feel weird using the YouTube terms. It just feels very <laughs> funny to me, but I like it. Uh, I think if you hit the bell, you actually get notified when a new video drops. So you're like, hey, when's that new, ep new episode of BGN Radio? Boom. You hit that, get a notification, and you can watch it right away. So perfect for your consumption. Check out our sponsors episode. Uh, sorry, information is in the episode description below. You can check those out. You can check out our social media handles, which are actually on the screen here. Uh, on the YouTube version, but also in the episode description as well. Shout out to our wonderful producer, Rachel Prevet, who puts all this together behind the scenes and does a great job of keeping the ship afloat. We appreciate her and all the wonderful members of the Reading Green Nation podcast feed. Jimmy and I will be back with you at some point next week, I think. I'm going to Florida, Jimmy, at the end of next week. So we have to figure okay. out when we're going to work. Clearwater. Ah. For my friend's bachelor party, we're going to go to Philly's game. Okay, uh, those tickets are like I, I was thinking about going down there too. Uh, tickets are expensive. For well, those. we got standing room only for like twenty seven each. So okay, yeah, we're just going to do that. And I also think we might be going to the Flyers game down there because I think they're going to be playing the Lightning at that point. Okay, so interested to see that. Uh, yeah, all right. What do they play? St. Pete's. Uh, I don't know. No, no, I have no idea. I'm not in charge of planning. I'm just I'm uh, I'm along for the ride. Before. Clearwater is a cool town. Clear, Clearwater Beach specifically. Right. Very cool. Yeah. So um, we're looking for, I'm looking forward to that. Should be a good time. But yeah, we'll figure out what our recording schedule is. In the meantime, uh, plenty of good episodes on the Bleeding Your Nation podcast feed, whether that's uh, on the Shane page with Johnny and Shane breaking down free agency and whatnot. Um, plenty of great content on uh, with the NFC East mixtape that just dropped uh, late this week. But is now up with me and RJ Ochoa. Also on bleedingyournation.com, you have Jimmy or Johnny Pages, uh, all 22, his film breakdowns and whatnot. And Jimmy Kemsky has great work available at phillyvoice.com. So check all that out. And we will be back with you as I delay to try to get the end of show screen up here uh, next <laughs> week. Good. Bye, everybody. Yeah. G and